Thank you, Ben and Amanda and Ben and Barb, for helping us in our worship and song. Now we're going to change gears just a little bit, and we're going to move into the worshiping God through the Word of God. And aren't you glad that God has given us His Word and has preserved it down through the ages so that we have an accurate and we have a God-protected uh, means of knowing exactly what God wants from us from the pages of Scripture. It's such a blessing to know that the Bible that we have in our hands is not something that we've preserved. It's not something that man has written, but it was inspired by God. And although we don't have those manuscripts at our disposal, God in His omnipotence has protected the scriptures that we have in our hands, and they are safe, they are authentic, they are very, very much alive today like they were when the holy men of God penned them uh, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So we, we, I want you to know that we can be absolutely confident in the scriptures that we hold in our hands, provided we use the, good, the right translations. Not all of them are good translations. We won't get into that this morning. But anyway, um, that God has secured for us what he wants us to know in the pages of his scripture. And so uh, this morning we're going to worship God through those pages of scripture. We're going back to the book of Ephesians. We're moving on into Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. Um, and we are going to look back just a little bit at some of the stuff we've looked at in chapter 2. But we're, we're also going to move forward this morning. So you see the title of the message is The Mystery Explained. All right. Um, I know a lot of people like a good mystery. How about you? Uh, do you like a good mystery? You like to try to figure out how that happened, what, what was the problem with it, what caused the incident, or the, you know, many times there are murder mysteries, and I mean, so many people like them that Hallmark has their own murder mystery channel that you can watch that all day long. Um, when we were, um, well, when it was on TV, we used to enjoy watching Monk, okay? Um, Monk was kind of a uh, just a, he was a unique detective. He battled with his OCD, his obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and Josh, our son, especially liked watching it because um, he has a little bit of OCD. I suppose he got it from his dad um, in some ways. But anyway, it's, it's got this guy who when nobody else could figure out the crime, what happened, how, who did it, Monk would be called in and Monk always solved the crime. Okay, um, And he had this, you know, this Look, that he, when he was going to give you what happened, he goes, eh, and he'd start telling you and explaining it, and every time, he was right. Um, we, I think we even have, we bought the DVD series, I think, of, of at least one of the seasons. Um, so anyway, Monk was a good show, good mystery show. We missed kind of seeing it on TV, uh, and it was clean for the most part. That's another rarity in TV today. Um, maybe you're craving some Monk reruns. I think it's on Hallmark Murders and Mysteries. But I can't, you know, we're not going to spend too much time talking about Monk this morning, but I am going to, I'm going to read a mystery for you this morning. I want you to see if you can solve it, okay? Um, so here it is. It's called Murder at the Zoo. The headlights of Dr. Halogen's car flooded over a blonde man darting across the road. Haldigen spun, spun the steering wheel and slammed on the brakes. Are you all right? He called anxiously. I'm okay, the young man gasped. But there's somebody, I think he's dead, lying in the zoo. I was running to get the police. Explaining he was a doctor, Haldigen persuaded the blonde man to show him the corpse. About 100 yards from the road near the giraffe enclosure lay a figure in a doorman's uniform. He's just been slain, said Haldigen, shot in the back. 
Do you know him? No, the man said. My name is Chris Taylor. I was out for a walk when a car passed me a few minutes ago. It was traveling very slowly. The next thing I knew, an orange flame appeared in the back of the car. Then a giraffe began to scream as if in pain. The enclosure is visible from the road, and I saw one giraffe running in circles and suddenly collapsed. I went to investigate and stumbled upon the body here. I, went to see, I want to see the giraffe, muttered Haldijin. He climbed on the fence and knelt beside the stricken animal. Poor creature, he's been shot in the neck. The way I figure it, said Taylor, the killer must have missed the man and hit the giraffe with his first shot. The second bullet found the mark, though. Undoubtedly, that is what happened, agreed Haldijin. Only for one thing. You weren't running to get help. You were running away. Halogen solved the mystery. Can you? Think about it for a little bit, and we'll come back to it. Now, don't let it ruin the rest of the sermon, okay? We're going to get back to it in the conclusion. So the Bible often talks about a mystery. And as we start out in chapter 3 of Ephesians, we're going to take a look at that mystery. But before we look at the mystery, let's take a look at verse 1. Okay, I'm going to read verse 1 for you, and then we're going to jump down and read verse 14. So in verse 1 it says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. Vani, we were talking about Gentiles this morning, right? Okay, so for you Gentiles. Um, so as you, as you look at that verse, how does it open up? It says, for this reason. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds an awful lot like what word? But, nah, not so much, but. Therefore, okay? Therefore, and you know, we always have to find out why that therefore is in the text. It's almost as if Paul here in verse 1 of chapter 3 is telling us to go back and find out what the reason is. So, let's find out what the reason Paul was talking about. At the end of chapter 2, that we find the reason. Paul, Paul states in the end of chapter 2 that Jesus has done away with the enmity between Jew and Gentile and for those who are in the family of God. So that's the first part of the reason. He's done away with the enmity, the, the animosity, the anger, the bitterness, the hatred between Jew and Gentile. Jesus has done away with that. And how did he do that? He did that on the cross of Calvary. When he died on the cross and he took our sins upon his body, he made it possible so that Jews and Gentiles could get along. Wouldn't that be amazing if that were happening today? Well, I can tell you this. Jews that know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior and Gentiles that know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, you know what? They get along. Those who don't, don't get along. There's hatred and there's animosity, there's enmity that exists there. The only solution for the problems in the Middle East is for people to come to know Jesus as their Savior. Somebody once made a bumper sticker, I don't know if they had it in America, but we had them in South Africa. Know Jesus... K-N-O-W, no Jesus, no peace, K-N-O-W. No Jesus, N-O, no peace. Pretty simple, right? If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, uh, then you're going to know the peace that comes to God's people. And that doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. Hey, answer to prayer. we got a couple of answers to prayers this morning. Uh, Brian, good to have you with us this morning. We've been praying for you. Brad, we've been praying for you. So praise God for these two answers of prayer sitting amongst us. You know, prayer is important, and I'm not going to get off on too much of a wild rabbit trail, because Paul does that in our text this morning. I just wanted to welcome you guys and let you know that we're thankful to have you back with us, 
the Ganoes and Brad here this morning as well. So we're talking about the reasons that Paul says we have this for this reason. And the second thing he says is that Jesus made it so we who are believers have access to the Father. We have the ability to get right into the throne room of grace, right into the presence of God the Father. Now that's something that's unique to the church age. You understand that, right? People who lived before the church age didn't have that access into the throne room. When, when Jesus died on the cross, and the temple veil in the temple in Jerusalem was torn from top to the bottom, that was a symbolic gesture of God opening up the throne room of grace. It was like we now have the access to the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. When Jesus died, he gave us that right. That's, one, that's another one of the reasons in verse 1 of chapter 3. And then we see that Jesus made us believers, fellow citizens with the saints and the members of God's household. We are part of the family of God. Our citizenship is not here on earth. Now, when we lived in South Africa, we were not citizens of South Africa. We were citizens of the United States of America. I told you a couple weeks ago that when they asked us when we were leaving with Micah, who was only a month old, uh, was it a week old? He was very young. A month old. Um, he, they said, well, he has to choose his citizenship. He's a month old. How's he going to choose? And then he said, well, you have to choose for him. Pretty simple choice. He's going to be an American. Okay? Our citizenship was never in South Africa, though we lived there for 16 years. Our citizenship as believers this morning, we're not citizens of this earth. We are citizens of heaven. And when we get there, it's going to be like home. And we're going to be with our Savior. We're going to see our great God face to face. So because God has given us these things through Jesus, Paul says, I bow my knee to our great God, and he prays. Now, we're not going to get into that prayer this morning because Paul goes, as I said, on a bit of a rabbit trail. All right? Um, Take a look down now at verse 14. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. How does it start out? For this reason... Wait, isn't that the way he started out in verse 1? For this reason? It's like, for this reason, and then, oh, let me... And he goes on this rabbit trail. And, and, and next week, we'll start looking at verse 14. But in verse 14, it's like, I've, I better bring myself back to what I was originally talking about. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, as you see this rabbit trail, what is this rabbit trail all about? Well, I think it's a very specific rabbit trail. And, and don't give Paul a hard time because we all go off on rabbit trails, don't we? I mean, I'm, I do it. I just did it a couple minutes ago when I welcomed Brian and, and Brad. And that was a little rabbit trail. But rabbit trails have a reason, have a meaning, have a purpose. Paul is, well, sometimes they do. Um, Paul's rabbit trail here is very purposeful. He does it because he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these next things uh, as part of the Word of God. The purpose of Paul's rabbit trail is to lay the foundation so they will better understand what he's praying about. And this is where the mystery comes in, okay? So here's the mystery. Uh, The mystery is exposed. Let's now, before we get into the outline of the message this morning, let's stand and read together Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. Ephesians chapter 3, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles... 
If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given me by the effective working of his power." To me, who am less than all, the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ." to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Let's pray, and then you may be seated. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and our goal is to unpack what we find here in these first 13 verses of chapter 3 this morning. Um, I ask that you allow us to learn from the scriptures this morning, that you would use the things that um, I have prepared um, to just encourage and challenge us in our relationship and our walk with Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, may may our time here this morning glorify and honor you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. A lot in this passage of Scripture, these first 13 verses of chapter 3. First of all, we're going to see in verses 1 through 5, the mystery is exposed. The mystery is exposed, all right? Um, and as we, as we work through these first five, first five verses here, we're going to see the recipients of the mystery. Who, who is Paul giving this mystery or explaining this mystery to? He made it known to me, first of all, the text says, he made known to me the mystery. The me, of course, is the Apostle Paul. Uh, he's the author of this letter. He's the one who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen these words. So they're not just words of you know greeting and whatever from the apostle paul they are words that god wants the ephesian church to know and as they read this letter they know that this is the apostle paul writing but he's writing under the inspiration of the holy spirit and so when we when we understand that paul the apostle was used by god to pen his word it helps us understand that yes god's word has authority in the lives of the believers in the lives of the church In our lives, as the church of Jesus Christ, God's word has authority. Paul is a messenger to the Ephesians of God's word, and he also blesses us by God preserving his word for us to learn from in the pages of Scripture. What 